Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle, the Christian girl's guide to modern dating. We're here to help you date with confidence while honoring the Lord and to show you that your identity and contentment are in Christ. We're going to give you the tools that you need to date successfully and be set up well for success in a godly marriage. If you've ever felt like you didn't really belong with any of the extremes in dating today, well, you're not alone. Neither did we. And that's why we're here looking for the middle. Hello, friends. Welcome to this very special episode. I'm so excited. We're very excited. We have a guest with us today that we will introduce here in a second. I'll leave you in suspense for another 45 (laughs) seconds. Uh, Before we jump into everything, we want to remind you that if you're not following us on social media, well, you missed out on a great opportunity to do that last month because we did a giveaway on social media, but we're going to be doing lots more of those. Lots more? Is that the right way to say that? Close enough. So if you aren't already, go check us out on Instagram at LFTM underscore podcast. We're on there pretty much every day. We love to connect with y'all over there. And also, if you haven't signed up for our weekly newsletter already, you can do that by going to the link in our Instagram bio. Mm -hmm. And we send out our newsletter every Thursday with a bunch of extra resources surrounding that week's episode topic. So YouTube videos, blog posts, books. Uh, you get a Hallmark movie of the month, which is our new favorite edition, yes. especially now that Christmas is coming up. So make sure you go and check that out. But. Oh, one other thing. Oh, one other thing. Go. Well, I have a feeling this is probably going to be a rather long chat here today. Yes. And I doubt we'll be able to put the whole thing on Apple Podcasts, but we will be putting the entire interview, the entire episode on Patreon. So if you aren't. A friend of ours over there, go check it out. You can go through the link in our Instagram bio to that as well. But you will be able to hear the full, uncut, unfiltered, who knows what's going to happen in the rest of this episode on there. (laughs) Good reminder. Okay, so let me introduce our guest today. We have Jared West with us. Say hi, Jared. Hey, how are y'all? We're great. Wonderful. Everyone's so excited you're here. So Jared is actually my boss. And... He told Kristen he would fire her if he didn't yes. get to come on the show. Exactly. Well, that's that, okay. Now I'm not sure that I really ever said that. <laughs> no, Jared has been a fan of the podcast pretty much since he heard about it, and I joke that he is now becoming my unpaid agent because he just tells everybody that I meet about the podcast. So he's been actually some inspiration for some episode ideas we've had, and we decided it was time for us to ask him to be on the podcast. Y'all know we've been doing this Men Tell All series, not sequentially, but (laughs) over the past few seasons, and we've always interviewed single guys. So we thought it was time to bring a more mature, wise, married guy on here to give us more of that perspective. But he couldn't make it, so um, (laughs) we have Jared here today. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Well played. So before we let Jared introduce himself to y'all and give you a little bit of an idea of who he is, Bethany has our question of the day that we're all going to answer. Okay. What is your question? Yes. The question is, what is the weirdest food you've ever eaten? Oh, Jared's Jared's from Louisiana, so he's probably got some weird food. You know, I, I eat... Most everything. Oh, okay. But I would say the weirdest food, um, I was on a trip to Cambodia. Oh, boy. I think it was four years ago this month, actually, because oh, okay. I, I, the reason I know that, I had some pop-ups on Facebook, you know. Okay. And Because uh, I'm so digitally right. savvy. <laughs> yes. And we, had, we ate these, um, they were like boiled chicken feet. 
and they brought them out and we kind of picked at them and it was it would it tasted like you would think boiled chicken feet would taste like did you keep it down like i mean i had like a nib like okay. a little nibble chicken feet aren't very meaty so it was like it was more like a like the skin around the ankles sort of oh. thing it was kind of chewy oh. i got a little piece in that was and i was good but the, i would say the food in cambodia generally speaking was actually really good really okay but that was but not boiled chicken weird feet. boiled chicken feet yes <laughs> that's nasty what's your answer do you know i think i have i think i know I think the weirdest thing I ever ate was zebra. Oh, when we were when in, you're South in South Africa. Africa, they cooked at this restaurant like everything, and so that was the whole point of it was to go eat like weird meats. Okay, well, mine's gonna sound really lame compared to that. I had alligator jalapeno cheese popper hush puppy things in new orleans interesting it was interesting which i'm pretty sure i don't even know what alligator tastes like because everything else was so overpowering it was good (laughs) um but i was with friends who are from south louisiana so they were the ones that told me to try it but it was actually really good but that's other than that i don't think i've i've never even had deer meat i don't think like i don't eat anything other than the normal American you gotta have some deer meat. <laughs> Meats. So. I'm pretty sure that's pretty Americanized. I know, but not like you don't buy deer meat in the grocery store. Like if you can, you. I mean, I don't think so. But I mean, you surely you can you can walk from your home to someone who has deer meat. Probably yes. where I live. Yeah, we're we're close enough to <laughs> the boonies that we yes. can do that. Okay, so let's jump in, Jared. We have quite the list of questions for you. And for those of you who have listened to the other Mentel All episodes, typically we ask them all the same questions. We altered a little bit based on their age range and things like that. Like when we had Dylan and he had just gotten out of high school, we asked a couple high school specific questions. With Jared, we're asking dating questions, marriage questions, and then some um, like theological questions. Jared has his Masters of Divinity and he's really smart when it comes to all the Bible theological stuff. That's my technical term for it. Um, so we're going that route with him too. So we've got a lot of subtopics yes. for him. So this will be pretty unique compared to the other episodes we've done. But for starters, Jared, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your how long you've been married, work, background, hobbies, whatever. Sure. Whatever okay. You so uh, my name is Jared. I think we've established this. <laughs> yes. And I've been married since 1992. And so I did go to high school in Louisiana, so I'm not real good at ciphering, but I think that's 28 years. Yes, that's correct. Um, So I'm approaching 30. Um, So I married uh, uh, Valerie, and we met in college. Okay. We went to different high schools. We're from the same uh, town area, but I did not know her until we went went to college. And so we have three children, two biological, one that came to us through foster care. We were foster parents. Uh, for a time and then we we had a placement who just wasn't able to go back home and he stayed with us and he's our third son all boys all boys <laughs> yes Lucky you. no girls had it we even have had a boy dog who passed <laughs> recently he was Aww. old but so uh yeah we're just a total boy home you know hobbies i like uh i like i've always liked doing things with with the boys you know we like sports and my two oldest ones live in Texas, and so I don't see them very often, but we text and talk and FaceTime, and it's usually about 
I mean, they'll call me about they'll call me about theological issues. Had uh, talked to my oldest son today about a theological question he had about uh, money. Okay. Um, so I'll get these random theological <laughs> questions from them. Uh, they'll talk about their relationships with the fair sex that that comes up, and they'll ask questions about that. So you know, great relationship with them. Um, and and so you know, my wife and I have a great marriage. We've been married 28 years now, and and you know, ups and downs. As any marriage, Absolutely. and some 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 pretty hard times, uh, but for the most part, we always say every time our anniversary rolls around, we always say, "Well, that year was better than mm. the year before," and it just and we keep getting closer and closer. So very blessed. And I did go to seminary, as you mentioned. I, I have a master's of divinity in applied apologetics from mm. Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. So there you go. Awesome. Okay, you also which I'm sure this will come up, you and Valerie taught, was it a young married class for a really long time? We did. We So when we had been, uh, we were married probably for 10 years or so, and we started a class um, at our church in Louisiana where we were living, and we, we did it for many years. It was, it was a newly and nearly wed class. Mm, okay. So people who were about to get married, or people who had been, and we had people that had been married, a couple of couples that had been married 10 or 15 years that came to the class. Um, and it was, a, I can't remember exactly, I think it was eight or 10 weeks long. So you would come to class. We would, uh, we did it three times a year. We taught the series. And so basically you left your Sunday morning Bible study class to go sit with us for eight weeks and then you would go back. And so then we would, you know, recruit some new ones and we'd, we'd do it again. So we taught uh, that class, um, and it, that, that taught us a lot about marriage. Mm. And then when we moved to Georgia, here at the church we go to now, um, we started teaching a Bible study class as that marriage class. And then from there, we morphed into a regular Bible study group, and we just kind of kept going with that group. So, Very yep. cool. cool. Very cool. That's where a lot of ideas you've given me for this has come from things you'll bring up like oh yeah we had this couple one time that talked about this in our class or whatever so that's been cool to hear those so okay are you ready for all the Ooh. all the questions <laughs> yes all fire away okay first question think back to when you were dating what and this can be anything what things were important to you and someone you were looking for personality spiritually like what things like were at the top of the list yeah yeah, you know, dating dating's totally different now. We have a question. You know, about and that. I, I know that's one of your questions. So, you know, uh, and having, you know, two children uh, that are in their twenties and then my youngest is fourteen, you know, I've seen the the modern dating scene, all right, played out. And so I can honestly say it is very, very different. What I looked for, I did want somebody who was a believer. I I, I do remember you know, um, I want someone who shares the same um, common uh, understanding of Scripture and of, of who Jesus is and what it means to be a believer. So, so I, that was important. Um, I don't recall, I mean, you know, this is a long time ago, yeah. okay? This is, you know, 30 <laughs> years. I don't recall, um, you know, having a particular, oh, I like, you know, blondes or brunettes or I've, I've dated, I remember dating people that had, you know, were different styles and looks and, you know, all that sort of thing. I don't recall really having any particular, 
you know, thing I was looking for. You know, she yeah. needs to be tall or she needs to be blonde. Or, you know, none of those things were, were really that important to me. I like somebody who was just fun to be with. You know, I'm sort of a over-the-top personality at times, <laughs> Kristen will tell you. And so, you know, somebody who, you know, can banter and good, you know, keep a conversation going. And that was, you know, someone who was just kind of quiet, shy. You know, that, that just wasn't, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't be interested necessarily in that type of person. Now, I knew I had friends that were, you know, sure. that, but that was not somebody that I would have been interested in. So I wanted someone who was fun who likes to talk who likes to do things who like to go places and you know um that's what attracted me to valerie valerie is a fiery woman you know she's born <laughs> yes, and raised in in louisiana and she's you know she likes to do things and she's um you know got strong opinions and all those things that really were attracted to me so yeah hope that answers your question oh it definitely. totally does yeah definitely so then in that same vein what are some things about Valerie that you didn't necessarily look for, but that you would encourage other people to look for? Like things about her, like, oh, wow, I really like right. that about her, that that would be good for everybody to have. Okay, so in my family growing up, I, I had two older brothers. So there were three boys in my house. Okay. Didn't have, you know, my mom. Right. But obviously. we didn't have, I didn't have sisters. Mm. Okay. So, uh, you know, there's a lot I realized after I got married that I didn't understand <laughs> about females, you know, and, 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 you know, funny things like how long it takes to get ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, you know, my brothers and I, you know, 10 or 15 minutes tops, <laughs> we're showered, change, hair comb, brush out the door. I'm you so know? jealous. I know. Not, I not, nice. not that way. And so I remember thinking about, uh, you know, man, this, there's really you know, some work that goes into this, apparently, uh, you know, not, not understanding that. Um, Valerie, the thing that I, I learned about her after we got married was she was fiercely independent, mm. fiercely independent. And I really like that. I like it now. But, I, but I'll give you, for instance, like before, um, you know, back in the early 90s gang, they didn't have cell phones mm. or you had like this bag phone, you know, that was, <laughs> you know, you could call maybe, you know, a hundred yards down the street or something. It was grainy. And so, you know, when we first got married, we, we didn't have cell phones or it just wasn't a thing. It wasn't as widely, you know, the, you could get one, but they were expensive. We didn't, we couldn't have afforded it. So Valerie would get up like on Saturday morning and she would say, Hey, I'm going to go run some errands and she would leave. Okay. And so, you know, I might mow the grass, I, you know, hang out or whatever. And so, you know, after three or four hours, I'm like, was she in a car wreck or something? I mean, should I call hospitals? You know, you know should I start checking with friends? You know, and so I would just get, I was like, you know, it's just a long, long time for her to be gone. And so when she would finally roll back in, you know, oblivious to this understanding that my mind has been racing now for hours. I was like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Well, I, you know, went here and I went there. And, I, you know, how long can it take you to go run errands, you know? And she would just get mad, like, you know, you're not the boss of me. And, you know, <laughs> so we had to learn, you know, that fierce independence that I really appreciate now. We had to learn, hey, you know, I'm not trying to control you, but let's just communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, you're leaving and you're going to be gone all day, half the day. That's fine. Just so I won't worry. Yeah. yeah, but I, I really like that about her that she is independent. 
Um, you know, she will take something and run with it. I always describe her as extreme. Like I'll give you a for instance. <laughs> okay. Um, two things I can think of. Some people say, hey, I want to, I want to go, I want to, I want to exercise. I'm going to go running for exercise. So Valerie decided, you know, back in our late 20s, hey, I'm going to start exercising. That looks really fun. But she doesn't just say, I'm going to go exercise. She says, I'm going to train for a marathon. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, so she's run she multiple marathons, you know, wow. Washington, D.C., San Diego, New Orleans. I mean, so she's, she's extreme, you know, and people, most people just don't do that. No. no. You know, they'll run and exercise. She runs, and, yeah. you know, and so she's done that. She got an interest in motorcycles one time. We were living in Kentucky at the time. Kids were young, and she said, you know, I really, I really am fascinated about motorcycles. Okay, well, you know, a lot of people are fascinated about motorcycles. You think about it, you think it's cool, you move on with your life. <laughs> Valerie decides she calls the local community college and finds out they've got a class oh my where you can go and learn wow. how to ride motorcycles. So she goes to this class. It's like, you know, 100 bucks. You They have motorcycles for you to ride, you know, and it's for total beginners. It's like five weeks long, you know, every Saturday from 10 to noon or whatever. So I keep the kids. She goes and she learned how to ride a motorcycle. Now, what she learned during the class is that she didn't need to be riding a motorcycle. <laughs> so they, they called her the crash test. Dummy. Oh, that no. was what they, so God. she she had a couple of spills. So she but she, you know, most people wouldn't do that. No, but Valerie's no. like, I want to learn how to ride a motorcycle. I'm going to go see if I like it. And so she does her research, finds this class, takes off. I love that. So that's, that's really cool. I, I love that about her as well. She's very fiercely independent and extreme when she gets something, she's going to see it through. I like that. That's awesome. So we kind of alluded to this before, but since you were dating, what are some of the big ways that you have seen that dating has changed? Yeah. I, you know, no surprise. The internet and mm -hmm. texting and phones and all these ways we communicate now totally change everything. And, and I get concerned about it a lot of times because what I see, even with my youngest son, who um, he likes to go on Discord. If you guys know what Discord is, it's kind of this chat thing for – it morphed out of gamers. Okay. So okay. they – you know, it's, it's teenage chat things where they can, you know, text, communicate with their friends, friends through Discord. But even my 14-year-old, you know, he pretends to be somebody he's not. So, like, he'll take on this persona that he's, uh, like, someone from Australia or something. Huh. And, they, and, and it's like, you know, it's not real. And on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, I don't really want you, I don't want you putting personal information out there anyway. But on the other hand, it's concerning that you're not representing who you really are hmm. and, you know, making these quote-unquote friends out there who share an interest in, you know, some video game. Hmm. And, um, and I just... I just think that's dangerous because the, what it, that can't help but morph out of cyberspace into real life, mm -hmm. where if you find something on the cyber side that works really well and maybe makes you attractive, but it's not the truth, well, then aren't you tempted to be that way or try to be that way in real life? Yeah, uh, of course you are. I yeah. mean, you know, especially if you had success in the fake world than in the real world. And so, you know, that has completely transformed. So the days of spending an hour on the phone talking to a girl, you know, like we used to do back in the day, and you had like a landline, and your dad's like, get off the phone, I need to make a call. You know, um, 
that doesn't happen anymore. And even with my older boys, just the even the concept of dating um, has really shifted. Where you know they'll um, they'll not necessarily go on a lot of dates, but they have a lot of female contact and conversations. But mm. it's all virtual. Yep. You know, and I, I can vividly think of uh, being with my oldest son. This is a number of years ago. He was in high school. And we went to a basketball game. And so we're sitting at the basketball game, and I'm watching the game, and he's texting. All right? And I'm like, you know, aren't you going to watch the game? Well, I'm kind of watching. I'm texting. I said, who are you texting? And he gives me the names of, like, three people that he's texting. Well, the three people that he were texting were at the game. No. Within, you know, 20 feet of where we were sitting. I knew the people. I said, well... You know, so and so's right over there. Why don't you just go talk to him? <laughs> and this young lady that you're texting, she's you know fifty feet that way. Go talk to her. And he's like, "Well, I am talking. I am talking." Hmm. And I'm like, "No, you're not talking. Yeah, you're, you're texting." texting. Uh-huh. And it's you know this abbreviated. Go learn how to have a conversation with someone in person. So, you know, everything has really, really shifted. And I'm I don't know if this is good or bad. I am concerned about, you know, being someone you're not yeah. in the cyberspace and then that coming out into the real world. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that is dangerous. I really, really do. So girls, be careful with who, yeah. <laughs> who you're meeting online, yeah, you know, yeah. and what they are in real person, in real yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, we we talk about it not that deep of a level. I feel like we haven't gone there yet, but we talk about how with online dating profiles, we're so skeptical of guys lying about their height and so my roommate yeah lauren um she one of her co-workers found this guy they knew that is one of the musicians at church on bumble uh-huh. and he had added like two or three inches to his height because they're like there's no way he's 510 yeah he's like maybe 58 <laughs> on a good day with like some clunky shoes <laughs> and i was like well that proves my point yeah. um, they all, but then you start thinking Okay, well, if you're willing to kind of embellish that a little bit, what else are you willing yeah. to talk about or say, oh, well, I'm kind of like this, but I can say, you know, I can go a couple steps further and it's not really a big deal. And you you wonder, okay, is the picture of you that I'm getting really accurate or is this a filtered, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. version of you that you're putting on a dating app or on your social media or whatever? And then you can't keep that up forever. I mean, at some point, it's going to come out that you're not actually who you said you were, right? I agree. I guess I would ask I would ask y'all a question. Oh, I can turn okay. the tables. Okay. You know, so what is the hesitation? Because I, I see this in my older boys at times, to go and meet someone in person. It's like there's, there's, oh, it's like a big, big deal to meet someone in person. And when I was, it's like, you know, that's not a big deal. You meet someone, you go out, you you have dinner, you, you like them, you don't like them. You know, whatever. Yeah. You move on. It's, you know, or they're the one, you know, just but just go and be with people in person. Yeah. Put your phone in your pocket and have a conversation, communicate. Are people reluctant to do that now? I'm not reluctant if if there's any way of verifying that this person is legit from the standpoint of, oh. But, but I think that's my point. That's how you verify they're legit. Meet them. Yes. I think it's just a safety thing. If it's straight up from an app, I don't know this person from Adam. There's a safety concern that I want to talk. I want to make sure you are who you say you are. But I'll talk to someone on an app, and then I—I I mean, maybe we start talking on a Monday, 
I'm fine with going out Friday or Saturday. I don't mean it has to be for months, but it has to be enough to where. But you would meet in a public place. Absolutely. You wouldn't, you know, I'm going to meet I, you at a restaurant. Yeah. We're going to go and people are going to be around. And, and I always yeah. share my location on my phone. I'll tell Kristen or, you know, someone, hey, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. I'm going to share my location. So. If I get kidnapped, you'll know where I am. <laughs> and yeah. we laugh. No, I but, think that, that's you know. fair, the, the whole safety issue. I would yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think for girls, it's more of a safety yeah. issue. I, I would be interested to know what the hesitation would be from a guy's standpoint. Yeah. Because that's, that's my – now, I will say I'm a little more um, – I'm a little more hesitant probably to meet in person than Bethany is just – I have the, and this is probably an unrealistic um, outlook to have, but if I can talk to someone enough to realize, oh, this would not work before I meet them in person, then it's easier. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, It's pretty twisted, Kristen. That's pretty okay, twisted. Okay, I realize that. And I'm, I'm getting better at this. But my thinking is, okay, if I can talk to you and have some conversation before I, you know, because there's a there's a level of um, attachment sounds creepy, but like <laughs> y- you a level of progression that happens when you meet in person, whereas if it's digitally. And I have a hard time too because everybody I've dated, I've well besides one, I have known and before I've dated them. So I there has been one guy that has just up and introduced himself to me, and then we started dating. Everybody else, I whether I was friends with them or I knew them from wherever our circles kind of overlapped or whatever. So there wasn't that, oh, I have to talk to you for a while digitally or whatever before I cross the line. So I'm not as familiar with that, I guess, would be my answer. Does that answer your question? Yeah. No, not really. It's it's insightful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I just think it proves a point. It is very different. It is. Than than when I was dating. And I think if a guy is um, leading in that, I guess that makes me more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm the one that's kind of like talking to him, like, oh, okay, well, is it time for us to meet? Do I need to say something? Does he even want to? Is he would he rather just talk? There's that going on in my head too, of, oh, does he just like to keep text? Like, what's the deal? Kind of, it's a, it's so clunky, and that's it the point. Kristen, I'm just gonna say you, you might be overthinking. I think I you am. You might be overthinking. I think I am, and and the problem is. With our, and I think you talk to anybody in our generation, they'll agree with this. There's this, talking has become a stage of a relationship. That's exactly what I was going to say. That didn't used to be a thing. No. Like, you can say, oh, we're, like, oh, are y'all dating? No, we're just talking. Which means mm. you're not <laughs> just friends, but you're not dating. This is not my boyfriend. Yeah, but we're, t- like, we text a lot. Or we'll, you know, we'll talk on the phone occasionally or whatever. But there's, n- and it's this commitmentless stage of I don't have to commit to you but I'm like flirting with you and talking to you and I hate it because you can also talk to multiple people at once yeah exactly but it has but is that cheating if you're texting with multiple people no because that and that's their see I'm learning all these things yeah it's talking has become its own stage so we're like on Facebook you know it's oh I'm single I'm dating I'm in a relationship it's complicated whatever they have on I don't even know why they have it's complicated on there that's what for 19 year olds to put when they're frustrated with their boyfriend but talking is its own thing and that's just a common phrase now of oh we're not dating we're just talking 
Well, I didn't mean to run us off this oh, rabbit no, hole, but I, no. it's very insightful. It is, Thank and you. and that's kind of hearing what you were talking about with your oldest son, with him, you know, talking to this, you know, this girl or whatever. That's it's not abnormal, I guess, would be the. But then you talk to you or my parents or whoever, and they're like, "Why don't y'all just go out?" And yeah. like, if only it were that simple. Yeah. Now. Well, and even in that situation at the basketball game, I'm not. I don't know if this was the situation, but I'm thinking through like. I could totally see someone sitting there texting this girl who's across the stadium, but okay, well, I'm kind of interested, she's interested, but we're not dating. So if I went over there and talked to her, it would be like a lot. Whereas if, oh, well, we're just texting because we're only talking. Like we're not mm-hmm. dating. This isn't my girlfriend. I'm not going to just walk up to her. Like I'm, I don't know that was the situation y'all were in, but I could see that mentality being why so would, you wouldn't go over there. So would it, if I if he walked over there and talked to her, is that amping up the commitment all of a sudden? I'd be like, oh, because like, see, oh, I wouldn't he's think really that. Interested. <laughs> I wouldn't think that at all. You know, I just went over and talked to see if there's an interest there. But is that modern thing where, boy, you just you just kicked it up a notch? I think when I was younger, I would have said yes. I think there's an age component to this mm-hmm, too. For sure. I'm 33. I'm fine. I can go to coffee. I can go out with someone a few times and not be head over heels thinking it's going to lead to something necessarily. 10 or 15 years ago, that would have been different for me. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think that probably plays into it too. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's an age. Well, There's thank you for all of it. this. Yeah, <laughs> you're so welcome. We're just learning That's from each other. That's why I like your podcast. Yeah, I actually pick up things. Thanks. Thanks. Helps me be a better parent. Yeah, yeah well, and I'm, I'm learning I overthink things. <laughs> Kristen, I could have told you that. Yes. I know. No, I'm working on it. No, it's I know. Fine. It is. It's, and I think what's so frustrating, I'll say this and then we can keep going. I wish that things were the way they were when y'all dated. I do too. Because you you hear about the way my parents dated, you and Val, like all these older couples, not to like call you old, but that's, <laughs> you see what I'm, more, more mature, mature. Uh, more wise, however you want to go about it. But it was so simple and it was just, I think, and I think part of that uh, lack of simplicity is on Christian dating too because the push has been you need to date for marriage and then people think oh I don't need to date somebody unless I know I'm going to marry them and then I'm like you can't know you're going to marry them if you don't date them but it's been this extreme to the other direction and so it's it's overcomplicated because we're overcomplicating yeah. it well, and it doesn't have to be that well, way I literally like you said I'll say this and then we'll move on I yes. literally was reading in a Christian book that was solely meant to clarify dating from a Christian perspective. And it had in there, it literally was saying that you shouldn't date, you should just be friends until you decide you want to marry someone. And that romance shouldn't enter enter into it until there was trust and, you know, commitment commitment and engagement was just around the corner. Or physical touch. That was no, the other yeah. thing. Yeah. And Jer- if y'all can see Jared's face, like <laughs> so, the so purse lips and like the squinting and the, yeah. That's what people hear a lot in Christian circles. And so then you say, okay, now get married. You go from that to why aren't you married? And it is a big disconnect. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I really... Thank you. You know, now... <laughs> there needs to be more of you. Yes. It just seems like, you know, this, this idea that if I'm going to go out on a date with somebody and get to know them, that just seems really important to me. Before, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if I want to marry you. Yeah. I just want to go and, like, have some nachos yeah. and like, go to a movie. <laughs> Let's just relax here. Exactly. I mean, if I felt like, I can tell you, as, as a, if I were single today 
and younger. And I felt like, gosh, if, if I, if this girl goes on a date with me, then she's already thinking marriage. Hold on here. So Not, you wouldn't ask that girl Okay, out. so so may, now I'm thinking, well, maybe that's what my sons are very reluctant to go on a whole lot of dates. My, my middle huge. son does have a girlfriend that he's serious about. Um, but, you know, they have they both struggle with this idea of going out. Maybe this is why. Maybe, see, I'm, I'm learning so much from this wonderful <laughs> yeah, podcast. Exactly. I think we may be on to something. Yeah. Look, go out. It's not, you're not marrying the person. Go and enjoy yourself. You might like him. You don't. And it's okay if you don't. Exactly. And you just say, oh, it's great. getting to know. You might find somebody who's really fun to hang. I'm not going to marry the guy, but hey, this is fun. I like him. We could be friends. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Throw that book away. That's the loaded yeah. question. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So next question. That was a fun rabbit oh, trail. Yeah. Next question. What would you say is the best dating advice you've ever been given? I remember reading a book that was given to to us by our pastor um, when we were going through, um, I guess, premarital counseling deal. You know, we Mm -hmm. met with him a few times before we got married. And in the book, I remember to this day what it said. It said, here was the quote, you should go into marriage with your eyes wide open and you will stay married with them half closed. Oh. And I thought, ooh, you know, because the thing is, you're going to you're going to commit to living with this person forever. That's the commitment you're making. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's the commitment that every couple makes. Now, I realize there's a percentage of couples, high percentage that end in divorce. But I don't think anyone shows up there and says, boy, I hope I get divorced in so many years. (laughs) I don't think I don't believe everybody goes up there with this idea. I'm committing to this person forever. And that whole idea of kind of having your eyes half closed, there's so many things that will happen that may bother you from your partner, from your spouse, that, man, you know, over, over the years, Val and I have learned, just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Let it go. Not a big deal. You know, they got their things. I got my peccadillos. We both have them. It just, you know, just they become smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. The more you just put them out of your mind, so that that was the best advice ever. I, I, I vividly that. to this day remember that quote. I like That's that. Really good. Do you? We always hear the phrase, "Oh, when you know, you know." Would you agree with that statement, or not necessarily? Man, I you know, <laughs> I I think I knew that I knew there was something very special about Valerie. She was different, mm-hmm. maybe than other people that I'd gone out with. Um, it, I don't, I don't recall this, you know, lightning voice from heaven that said, <laughs> yeah. "This is the woman I have chosen for thee." <laughs> you know, so it wasn't like that. I, I, I do, I do, I would say, and I'm trying. I don't want to beat around the bush. I'm trying to phrase it correctly for what what I felt at the time that I did feel that she was the one for me. I did feel that. Mm-hmm. I did. I still believe that. Mm-hmm. And and so maybe it, so if that falls into this category of when you know you know, mm-hmm. I guess that was true. Okay. You know, we just it, it felt so comfortable being together. It was so natural for us to be together. You know, marriage was just logical given our connection. All of that was true. So maybe maybe that is when you know you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I always like asking married people that because yes. it's always 
this owl and I'm like okay well I thought I knew and clearly I didn't because yeah. now I'm not with him anymore yeah. so <laughs> is there another level of when you know you know <laughs> so we'll find out okay so switching gears a little bit from talking about your experience dating to now that you're a parent and I think this will be particularly helpful for all the female listeners mm-hmm. but because you have only boys what are some things that you're looking for in the girls that your sons are dating. Sure. Yeah. No, we, we think of that a lot. We, you know, over the years we've tried to pray, you know, consistently for whoever's going to enter their life, you know? And so we've always counseled them to, you know, find someone who has the same spiritual background. I always, you know, Valerie and I had the same spiritual background and that was important for the hard times. Mm. Uh, it, It became very important. There were times when it was, you know, the only thing that got us through some of the hard, hard things. But in, for our boys, we really counseled that. And, and they have, um, I think most of the people that my older boys have dated have been relationships that they have had from church, mm-hmm. which, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's been 100%, but I, I, do, I do think that's been maybe 80% that they've gone out with. And so I, I try to find that. And, and I always tell them, I said, look, you know, you have to be able to to say that this person completes you, kind of like mom and I go, that, that you have a partnership, that you have, um, you know, a real lifelong type connection brewing here. And I don't really know how to describe that. It's not, you know, it's not looks, it's not money, it's not, you know, you want to find somebody that has this particular type of job. And, you know, and so that's, <laughs> that is really important to some parents. I've just always told my boys, you know, keep it simple. Find somebody that you're really, really connected with that shares the same spiritual walk that you share. And you can make it with that. Mm -hmm. I'm just convinced you can make it if you, because you'll both rely on the same thing. You'll fall back to your faith when you really, really need to. And, And you'll be able to move forward together. So that's the best advice I've given them. I like yeah. that. I have a follow-up question to that. It's not in the notes, so Uh-oh. get ready. Um, <laughs> no, and I think, well, in all of the previous like Men Tell All episodes we've done with guys who are single, who are looking, who are in the dating scene today, and just in talking with guys in general, one of the most important things they are looking for, with faith being a given, is that they have a lot of common interests with the girl they're dating. And I think some of that is because people are staying single longer and they're staying single older. And so you're more cemented in the interests that you have. And I think, you know, we kind of live in a more consumeristic society, which is like, I want someone to just fit into my life and the things I like to do. So the question is though, how big of a role do you see that playing in a successful marriage that you, I mean, cause I know people have everything in common and then some people have nothing in common, but from someone who's lived that out, how big of a role has yeah, that played? I would be in the camp of, of having not a whole lot in common. Okay. You know, Valerie and I. Um, but I but I would say that we have tried our best um, to to become interested in things that are important to the other party. You know, Valerie is not a sports fan. You know, but she's going to know the teams that I follow, generally speaking, or, you know, I can share with her, hey, so-and-so won this weekend, and, She'd be like, oh, well, that's good. I mean, she'll, she'll, she'll show some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I realize she could care less, yeah. right? She doesn't know who's winning, she, but she knows that it excites me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, which shows that she's interested. And, and 
And then on, on her side, you know, uh, she likes to work in the yard and garden and doing that sort of stuff. Now, I, I take it from the man's standpoint. I want to go out and get on the lawnmower <laughs> and cut the grass. Yeah. I don't want to dig in a flower bed and plant roses or whatever. That doesn't do it for me. I want to, I want to you know, have a implement a large Power garden tools. tractor that I'm driving around. <laughs> but she likes, you know, the flowers, and, and so we'll get out there and spend time and plant, and we did some this weekend. So um, that's something that interests her, and I, I like to, you know, I, I would say both of us like to be with the other person. Mm-hmm. So if if I can spend time with her digging in the dirt, well, I that's that's a good time for me. And, you know, she'll drag off and go to a, a, a football game that she really doesn't have an interest in, but she knows that it's important to me that we can spend some time together and enjoy ourselves. And so she'll go to that. So I do think you have to be willing to, um, you know, put your own personal desires aside at times. I wouldn't say to do that every single time and make it a one-way deal, but uh, a lot of marriage is, you know, thinking of the other person and putting Mm -hmm. someone else first. Um, And I I think, that's worked for us. We've yeah. done that over the years. That's good to hear from somebody who doesn't yeah. have a lot. Because I feel like, at least the people I've asked, like, oh, yeah, we have so much in common. I'm like, okay, well, you're not helping my <laughs> my question here. Because what if I meet a guy and we don't have a lot in common? Or So that's good. That's helpful. Okay, so here's a, a hypothetical or a theoretical question. Um, why do you think there seem to be so many more single women in church, in ministry than there are men. This was a listener question. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, going to seminary, you know, I went to seminary kind of later in life. Mm. You know, I, did, I didn't get out of seminary until 2015. And so, you know, this was something I'd already started my career and I went back and, and um, you know, kind of launched this second career, I guess, if you will. And, and that was something that I can recall talking about in seminary, this idea that we have lost this idea of manhood. You know, and so it almost became somewhere along the way, it became unmanly to go to church. I, I don't know why. I really don't. And and so men have just sort of taken this checked out role. And when I was a, in seminary, I was a pastor of a small church. And a lot of people in seminary do that. And so I was pastoring this small church. I was still working full time, but I would just go up and preach on the weekends. But a lot of the people that would come to church, it was the wife and the kids hmm. And once in a while, the husband would come, or maybe never would come. And it was almost like uh, they would graduate to a point where they just felt like, you know, that was what the women and children did, and, and they would move on. But biblically speaking, who is in charge of the home? Mm-hmm. And so you are really flirting with disaster there. And, and that, now that's something, I would also say this, and I'm going to get on a soapbox here. Go for it. We love so soapboxes around here. Go for it. When you show up to church and you've got the church and they've got the youth group and all the stuff going on, and you sort of consign the kids over to the youth group and say, hey, there you go, youth pastor, go get them saved. Hmm. That is wrong. Mm-hmm. The one person that is responsible for the spiritual development of the children is the father. I mean, that is, you yeah. go tell me that that's not true. Show <laughs> me where that's not true. You cannot consign the spiritual development of your children 
to, especially to the, the, the youth pastor at the church. That's not his job. Now, I love youth pastors. I think it's a great way. <laughs> they should be there supplementing what the parents yes. do. And I had this one rule. My kids hated it. And I used to just tell them, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. And so when we go to church, you go to big church, mm-hmm. they all wanted to go sit where the youth group was. And I said, you know, you're going to sit with your mom and I. And they would just cry, oh, I guess it, my friends. <laughs> and I said, there is one hour a week where the family should be together, mm-hmm. and that is in worship. Who should be teaching the kids how to worship? Mm-hmm. The worship leader? No. Yeah. They should be learning that from the parents. They should be watching their mom and dad open their Bible, follow, take notes, all these things. The children need to learn that from the parents. How should they behave and worship in church? How should they grow spiritually? And so I will say my boys, after, you know, a couple of years, they just decided there was no change in the old man, <laughs> and they just dutifully came and sat with us. Um, and I just, I didn't, I didn't want them consigned to the youth group, you know, sitting over there not learning how to, how to worship. Mm-hmm. And so that was very, very important to me. So why do, why do men not go? I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, it's a failure of, of maybe the, those men's fathers who mm-hmm. sort of checked out. And so it becomes, um, hey, when I get 18 or 20 or whatever, then I'll go golfing or hunting or whatever like my dad did every Sunday. And, you know, mama can go to church with the little ones, you know. I don't know. Sad. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that there's any biblical basis for that. Um, and so, I mean, you know, ladies out there listening, find a man who understands he is the spiritual leader in the home, mm-hmm. because that is biblical. That is what your future husband should be willing to do. And so, don't settle. And I'm I'm off the soapbox. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's good. That's something, Bethany and I on air and off air. Yeah. I've been talking about a lot the past few weeks, especially. Yeah. I mean, my mom literally the other day was like, have you thought about going to seminary to try to meet a like <laughs> godly man? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure my, my bosses would love that for my, you know, <laughs> career and such. But because it is so rare, like even going to, now my church has been closed for what, nine months now. Yeah. So it's been a while, but going to my, I go to a big church and very rarely do you see a single dude coming into church just yeah. by himself. He may have if he's if you see a dude that's around our he's with a girl. Or, or he very soon will be. Or he yeah, exactly. I'm like he it won't take him long <laughs> the, to find or one. Or they're circling yeah. him well, as soon as he pulls in. Everybody the perks lot. up. I don't my church isn't huge. It's a smaller mm-hmm. church, but if I mean Kristen's been there, she, like if you think about it. The single women outnumber the single guys probably, what, four or five to one? Oh, yeah, easily. Three or four, four or five to mm-hmm. one. Well, I don't think that's uncommon. I mean, no. I've been to churches, you know, in different states and mm-hmm. moving around like I have with my, my work. And um, I, I just, I, again, I think it's a failure of biblical, understanding of biblical manhood, mm-hmm. that you are to be the spiritual leader mm-hmm. in the home and that you are, that, you know, your kids are going to be, more committed to church if you're committed to church mm-hmm. as the as the father husband yeah yeah uh, and and so if you let a generation kind of come through where that doesn't happen well i think i think that flywheel spins faster yeah mm-hmm. and it becomes harder to stop yeah yeah that's a great point okay so then following up with that and here's my 
I want to fix the problem uh, gene kicking in. But like, do, do we as single Christian women in our twenties and thirties, like what do we have any sort of responsibility in trying to like help with that or to make that not the case anymore? Or is that totally out of our control? I would say there's a um, kind of a principle that I think has been adopted by women, young young ladies in this generation, that they can somehow fix the guy they're working with mm-hmm. or they're dating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll fix. I'll, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> not not going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying you can't you know, uh, express yourself to a young man and he's going to make some changes if he wants to be interested in certain things. I don't think that that's going to happen on most larger things. I don't think you can suddenly take somebody who's not very spiritual, but I'm going to fix him, quote unquote, fix him, Mm -hmm. and he's going to suddenly become a saint. Mm -hmm. All right. I don't think that that's, um, that's going to happen in most cases. Now, I think of some wisdom that I picked up when I was in seminary. We had a class called Biblical Counseling. Everybody, every every major, uh, if you're getting an MDiv at Southern Seminary, and I think it's still the case mm-hmm. now, you have to take this class. Um, now, you can go and get an MDiv in Biblical Counseling, uh, which I, I wasn't interested in that, but I still had to take the Intro to Biblical Counseling class because everyone had to take it. So one of the things that he talked about there, he said, look, I remember the professor very well. He said, look, here's the deal with Biblical Counseling when you're counseling a couple. He says, if a couple comes in, they're having trouble, and um, you have to make sure that you have both parties on the same page in terms of faith in Jesus Christ. So if you've got a, a, a husband who doesn't believe and a wife that believes or vice versa, your whole um, biblical counseling approach should be to try to get the other person saved. You, you share the gospel as many ways and as many times as you possibly can in order to get um, uh, have a common experience of salvation. Because only when you have a common experience of salvation can you really start to fix the various problems mm-hmm. when they come from the same place. And I thought, wow, that's really insightful. So if you back that up a step, then I would say if you're going to consider marrying someone, marry a believer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. marry a believer mm-hmm. and don't come in, come in to say hey here's this person that I, here's this person that I'm going to I know they're not very spiritual but I'm going to get them to start going to church with me and I'm going to fix them and and they're going to know the Lord and we're going to get married and I think wow that's 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 kind of rolling the dice yeah. maybe mm-hmm. you know what if yeah. they don't and you really fall in love with this person do you just marry them anyway yeah. And now you've got a unequal yoking situation mm-hmm. that the Bible talks about. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's your responsibility as a female to fix the problem with biblical manhood. I don't. Okay. Okay. But I do think what what God may be saying through his word is just be patient mm-hmm. and wait. And, you know, uh, Joseph in the it was in prison for a long, long time, you know, and uh, wait on the Lord and don't just settle and find someone who's close on a lot of things, but not there on the spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think that's mm-hmm. that's a bad recipe. Yeah, well, because we've talked about, too, how, like, I don't want to be the motivation for a guy changing yes. him, him, his spiritual, you know, what's the word devotion level or whatever you want to call it. I want him to want that on his own because if it's dependent on me, 
It'll wear off. It'll wear off. And then, you know, we're married 10 years, and I'm not nearly as, you know, wonderful and exciting as I used to be. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, okay, heck with this. And then we're back to, oh, you go to church with the kids, and I'm going to yeah. go golfing right. or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I do. I am 100% on board. I don't, I don't want girls to think that, oh, let's, I can fix him. I can change him. We'll figure this out. But it's also – it is – what you, you're saying about waiting is so true and it's so hard because it is so – it's out of our control. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Lord, this is not up to me. Like, you're – I'm trusting that you're going to take care of these men. You're going you're gonna to convict them. You're going to draw them to you. I'm, I can pray for that for mm-hmm. whoever he is or they are, you know, just the men of our generation in general. But it's really difficult, speaking from someone who sucks at waiting, <laughs> to just be like, okay – I'm going to wait mm-hmm. and trust that the the Lord knows what he's doing and he does not need my help to fix the problem of un, wait what biblical uh, biblical manhood manhood thank you <laughs> <laughs> why was that so difficult for me to spit un-biblical out manhood. Un-biblical, unbiblical manhood un-biblical yeah manhood. <laughs> that's what I was about to say I'm like unmanhood is not a word <laughs> well and it's easy to find yourself in that place of considering that you're like he seems really great except for this one thing and he's the only guy around, and he's interested in me, so I can probably, I can work with this. It's an easy temptation to find yourself in, mm-hmm. but I think you're asking for heartache down the road if you... Right. I mean, I think it's a bad recipe. Yeah. I really do. And, and you know, if a guy shows up and he wears nothing but, um, you know, plaid shirts, okay, we can probably work with that. Yeah. You know, we, we can help him change his dress and... <laughs> You know, buy a new pair of shoes, or if he smells funny, we're gonna you know get him a yeah. a, 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 a a nice body wash yeah. and some uh, <laughs> some perfume and all that sort yeah. of thing. But um, let's uh, let's the spiritual things yeah. is really what I'm talking about. Let's really kind of put that off in its own category. Mm-hmm. That man, you know, you're talking about eternal salvation or eternal relationships with with the Creator of, of the universe. You have to be on the same page there. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm really yeah. saying. Yeah, well, and we sure. did an episode a week or two ago uh-huh. that was lies we believe about dating. And one of the ones we talked about was that I can fix him. Mm-hmm. And just talking about how, just like what you said, it's like, I think we said, you know, if you don't like the cut of jeans he wears, okay, you can fix that. If you don't like right. the cologne he wears, okay, you can fix that. But you can't fix his spirituality. You And you also, it's not your job to be his conscience or a second conscience. Like that's something that, when it comes down to it, you have to stop and say, okay, do I trust the Lord enough to let go of this and say, if you're going to save him or if you're going to mature him, you need to do that on your own apart from me. And do you trust that the Lord will work that out either way for both of your good? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So you were talking a minute ago, a lot about just about spiritual leadership and it's the man's job to be the spiritual leader of the home. And that's something in Christian circles you hear all the time. So you want to look for someone who's a good spiritual leader. Look, that's what you want. And I mean, obviously you do. It is biblical. It's the biblical model for the family. But then we also talk a lot about, as girls, it's easy for us to then see all these strong spiritual leaders who are 15, 20 years older than us. And you kind of then start looking for that in someone now. Like you're looking for 50-year-old maturity in a 25-year-old. So the my question would be, what things... Or what characteristics bode well for someone being a strong spiritual leader? Like, what yeah. are things you would tell someone our age to look for that would mature into that? 
I think the best um, answer I could give you was when we started teaching the marriage class, the young married, the newly and nearly married class, um, there was a verse of scripture that we all started with, and it, it was Genesis 2, 24, and it says, Therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife, and the two should become one mm-hmm. flesh. So and the premise of this of the book that we were studying at the time was this idea that issues in marriage are going to fall into one of two categories. Failure to leave or failure to cleave. Mm. It's going to be one of the two. And so let's talk about failure to leave. If you're dating somebody and every time you get in a fight, um, he runs home to mama and mama tells him, oh, (laughs) honey, you're perfect. And she's not. (laughs) And you'll always be perfect. And, you know, well, that's that's failure to leave. Or if uh, you're dating somebody and they're not very good with money and every time they get in trouble with money, then dad slides him a few hundred bucks and he gets him by. And so he kind of constantly is back and forth. Okay, not managing your money, you're being supported by the parents. That's a failure to leave. Mm-hmm. And the other side, failure to cleave. I'm going to hang out with you. You're my girl. I love you. You're great. But there's a football game this weekend and me and the boys are going to go to. And it's an away game. We're going to be gone for a couple of days. And and that just becomes this constant thing. So suddenly you start asking yourself, okay, if we get married, are we going to have time to cleave? And I, I'm giving all these examples for the ladies. Because, ladies, you can fail to leave or cleave. <laughs> right? You can run home to mom and dad as well. You can go hang out with your girlfriends after you get married like it was when you're in college. And those things have to change when you get married. Failure to leave or failure to cleave are very, very real issues. So if you're dating somebody and you're seeing those tendencies now, they're going to become magnified when you get married. Mm. So make sure that you're, you know, so to me, the idea of a spiritual uh, person, someone who knows the Lord, who has a relationship with Jesus, but also who has left mm. the, the family, because Scripture is very clear. You are to go create your own family unit. You are to be separated from your parents and live together and sustain yourself and cleave unto one another and become like one. And then you raise children that do that. And, and the pattern goes on and on and on. But you can, you know, if I say failure to leave or failure to cleave, I guarantee you, you're probably thinking of people now that mm-hmm. have met. And the listeners the same way, like, oh, yes, I remember so-and-so who got, maybe you knew someone who got divorced. And you're like, yeah, you know, uh, they were separated every weekend for some reason they were separated every weekend for a football game or golf or hunting or whatever and you know that happens weekend after weekend after weekend and the failure to cleave catches up it's a it's a tragic thing Mm -hmm. so look for that while you're dating and always think in my mind is this person is he independent is he has he left his family Especially as they get older, I realize a kid in college is still dependent <laughs> on their parents, you know, to right. help with tuition, those sorts of things. But, um, but as they get older, they should leave. That's that's what the scripture is telling us. Mm-hmm. That's I like that. Yeah, that'll stick. Because you always hear like, oh, leave and cleave, but then it at least to me up until this moment, it's always been <laughs> communicated about when you're married, but yeah. you don't ever think about, okay, can I look for the pattern of that now? Mm-hmm. Talk about looking for patterns all the time of when you're dating. Cause I can, I mean, that was 
a failure to cleave and always having other things or other plans. That's a big reason why two of my relationships ended mm-hmm. um, that I've been in in the past because it was he left, but they were independent. They were on their own. That wasn't the problem, but mm-hmm. it was, oh, I'll you know see you when I can, but you know when I don't want to or when I have other options. <laughs> but like, I've got these out. 14 other things yeah. that I've got lined up yeah. that I've done all these years. And, and so, yeah, you, you start looking back and you say, we, we didn't spend any time together. Mm-hmm. And that's a big issue after you're married. If yeah. You have to be able to go into the marriage saying, I'm going to cleave to this person. Yeah. I'm going to set us. I'm going to leave friends that maybe are still single that I need to leave for at least a time to be able to cleave to my husband yeah. or my wife. I'm not saying forever, yeah, you're yeah. but you have to cleave, and this has to become the primary relationship. And I would even say, there, here's another um, thing that, that I've seen people struggle with. When children enter the picture, then some, uh, relation, or some married couples will make the mistake of suddenly the children become more important, the primary relationship in the home. Mm-hmm. The primary relationship in the home is always the mother and father. Always. The children are second. And, and that's scriptural. Mm-hmm. And so don't revolve your life around, you know, travel baseball, where this child, we're going to do everything we can every weekend forever, and no matter how much time and energy and effort it takes. And then suddenly that becomes a relationship stressor for the husband and the wife. Um, I, I, I would caution against that. And I realize I'm thinking down the road for some <laughs> yeah, of you. But, but think through that, this idea that mm-hmm. I want someone who who is always going to have a primary relationship is going to be the mother and the fa- the husband and the wife. That's the primary relationship in the home. That's what Scripture is talking about in Genesis 2.24. Mm-hmm. You are to leave, you are to cleave, and that becomes the primary basis for the home spiritually forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. Okay, so since we're kind of we're moving in the theological direction here with these questions, let's let's talk about theological differences when it comes to dating. So let's say I'm dating a guy and we're having some theological discussion. What are some differences that could come up in a relationship in regards to theology that would be cause for concern? Now, obviously, mm-hmm. salvation, and that's a given. Like, if you think there's another way to Jesus, then, okay, well, this isn't going to work. So aside from gospel-related things, what are some other theological issues you think could cause some concern. Yeah, I, I can think of things that have been concerns for couples that we've known um, in in the past. You, you have to have a, a basic understanding, as you said, of, of how do you live forever in eternity? Mm-hmm. And, and Scripture's clear that only happens through relationship with Jesus Christ. So, there, so, that, so let's say you both agree to that. Um, but you can have big differences of opinion on, say, baptism. Mm-hmm. Should you be dunked? Or could you be sprinkled? You may have you know, grown up Presbyterian and had a whole understanding of the sprinkling and the covenant relationship that's very different from a Southern Baptist who is going to say, oh, no, it's got to be, you got to be dunked in the water. And so that becomes a spiritual issue that could create, because e- even if you're both baptized differently, I was baptized as a baby, my husband was baptized um, older in the Southern Baptist church, let's say, and I was sprinkled and he was dunked. Okay, what happens when you have children now? Mm-hmm. How are they going to be raised? Where are you going to go? What's going to take priority? And so then it kind of becomes magnified at that point. So I think I think baptism is one of those issues that really um, 
could could be a stress point that you would want to kind of flesh out ahead of time. Um, I think the other one is you know the um, the once saved always saved mm, um, okay. because there's yeah. a lot of of, of uh, denominations um, that would say oh you know you can lose your salvation you can have now I I don't subscribe to that I, I from a theological standpoint I would say. Scripture tells me that, you know, when you're in the Father's hands, nothing can take you out of it. So I would say, you know, you're one, you're the one saved, always saved, to paraphrase it, would be where I would land. But somebody who wouldn't believe that, that could become a stressor theologically where you could have a lot of debate about. And again, as children come along, what do you, where, where do you lead them down that road? And so I don't, I don't want to get hung up so much on um, denominationalism. Because mm-hmm. I think even these days, there's a, you know, we're not as hung up on that as maybe we used to be when I was younger. Um, but some of the basic theological issues, baptism, once saved, always saved, just two that come to mind, know what you believe and be willing to share those beliefs with your potential partner and say, are we on the same page or not? And if you're not on the same page with something, is it a big deal or not? Is it, is it a hill worth dying on? Mm-hmm. I would say a lot of times probably it's not, but you want to at least work those things out before you go into, you, you walk down the aisle, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I haven't thought about the once saved, always mm-hmm. saved one. I know we've talked about baptism. We've talked about, um, we've even talked about like Bible translations. We, we get, get a lot of question, we get a questions lot. very frequently. Um even just kind of what you were saying with denominations in general, what if he goes to this kind of church and what if I go to this one or um, alcohol, things like that. Sure. Um, so again, where there are these arguments for mm-hmm. lack of a better term on each side that people can subscribe to really strongly. But then like you said, you figure out, okay, is this a hill worth dying on? And if it is fine, there's nothing. Well, some of these things that come like Bible translation. Yeah. You know, I hear that a lot in the in the job I have now. You know, I, I get that question a lot in the job I have now. Well, yeah. you know, if you're not preaching from the KJV, well, then you're just not preaching the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a lot of dogmatic thinking mm-hmm. that goes into that. Yeah. And then if you really start unpacking it and looking, you say, okay, well, you know, if you want to look at all the English translations, because keep in mind, Jesus. I'm sure spoke English, knew English, <laughs> but Jesus did not communicate in English uh-huh. when he was here. You know, he's dying on the cross and he speaks Aramaic, which was his, which was kind of his heart language. That uh-huh. was the common language at the time. Now, and then the scripture, especially the, the New Testament, gets recorded in Greek, which was a common trade language at the time. And then they create the Septuagint, which took the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, translated it into Greek so that it was commonly read and understood at the time. And so it goes through all these gyrations, and then we get to the 1600s when they create the first King James. And then even that gets modified, so the modern King James is not exactly like it was, because if you've ever read like Shakespeare or mm-hmm. uh, Bunyan, you know, some of these old, it's really hard to read, and <laughs> yeah. it's in English. Yeah. And you go, well, this doesn't seem like it. It's almost like a foreign language. Yeah. So, you know, people come to come to that question uh, in my current job, and, and you start having these kinds of conversations and say, even KJV. So the KJV you're reading is not the original KJV. Mm. Well, but it was good enough to Jesus. It was good. Okay, wait, Jesus. <laughs> you know, wait a minute now. Jesus was not even, you know, he had, he had you know, ascended into heaven long before that. So some of those things I think really – 
translate over to this to maybe legalism, mm-hmm. dogmatic mm-hmm. thinking. Yep. And they're not theological issues that are really you can debate theological issues on baptism, once saved, always saved. You can debate those things. But, you know, Bible translation, some of these things are like, okay, now you might be yeah. off the reservation a little bit and <laughs> and you've had this dogmatic thinking impressed upon you mm-hmm. that you need to really step back and think through and look at the history mm, and understand yeah. where you're at. Yeah, well, and I, that's something, and Bethany and I both grew up in really strong Christian homes, so we were learning this from the time, as long as we can remember, mm-hmm. and... I remember being in college and starting to feel really convicted of, okay, why do I believe what I believe other than the fact that my parents told me it was Mm -hmm. true? Because for the longest time, that was enough. Like, I had my relationship with Jesus, and, you know, that was personal to me, but also you trusted your parents so much, and this is what they taught you. So you're like, oh, they say this is wrong, so I think it's wrong too. Mm -hmm. Instead of now, you know, 10 no, I'm not. I've not been out of college ten years. I've been out of college for six years. Um, but you know, many years later, it's okay. I realize I believe this now because I've done the work to study scripture and figure out okay, where are my convictions coming from in my own personal walk with the Lord and my study of it, not just oh. And some of it, a lot of it, still lines up with what my parents told me. But I've done the work on my own, not just, oh, well, my mom always told me that this is wrong, so okay. And that's also what I'm looking for in somebody else. I want to know, even if it's different, that you've done the research and the work on your side to figure out what mm-hmm. you believe and not right. just like you've been told. And so I think that's something we can all um, do better at and something I would encourage all of our listeners mm-hmm. to do is figure out why you believe what you believe on your own and even, I mean, even if you're in high school, you can start doing this. This is not a, oh, I need oh, to yeah. wait till I'm 24 and, you know, or 25 and my brain's fully developed or whatever. Like, <laughs> you can start doing this as early as you want to, but And you have resources time. now that I yeah. didn't have. Yeah. You can go on the internet and find so many things that would flesh out a lot of these things for you so easily. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's almost like no excuse. Yeah, that's true. To do your research now. That's very true. Um, I will recommend... You actually told me about, was it Got Questions? Is that what you yeah, told got me? Yeah, gotquestions.org. Gotquestions.org great is a great website if you are trying to sort through certain things. I use that for my job. I use that for my personal <laughs> life. That's a really, we'll put that, we'll drop that in the newsletter. Um, but yeah, I would really encourage y'all to do all of that. Okay. No small job. <laughs> okay, a couple more here. So <laughs> this the is... home stretch, people. Stay home with stretch, us. yes. <laughs> this is probably my biggest question of the whole interview you said a minute ago it's important that you and your partner are on the same um, spiritual playing field for lack of a better word lack of a better word like you both have a relationship with Jesus you have that in common you tell your kids you want them to be with someone with a similar spiritual background we want that a lot of our listeners want that so how do I discern if I'm dating a guy who is on a similar level spiritually as me. Yeah, I think to me it's it's as simple as asking some pointed questions and, and making sure that the person's actually answering them. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what I mean. Because somebody who's not sure or who's unsure or is uncomfortable talking about those things, um, you'll, you'll hear them redirect, you'll hear them 
you know, not necessarily answer your question, maybe say a lot of words without really giving you an answer. And, and these are important questions. You know, so something as simple as, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, what does that mean to you? Mm. Uh, how, do, how, do you how would you describe that? Or how did you come to know the Lord? What is that? And you want some really specific, definitive que- uh, answers to that question. It, it's not a... Um, you can't accept a general answer. No, you didn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want you to browbeat this person, okay? <laughs> but it's like, you know, the, the, you, you got to get to the to the root cause. Tell me about your relationship with, with Jesus Christ. When did you come to know him? And I think a, a believer should have that testimony story, should be able to at least relate. Um, and then I'll have to give you a, you know, 20-page thesis on it, but it's just... You know, I was this age, and I remember this, and I went and I made this confession, and I accepted Jesus into my heart as forgiveness of my sins. You know, they have to have those things answerable. Mm-hmm. And so somebody who, because I think here's, here's what the temptation is for someone who's not very strong spiritually, is if I go to church enough, and I know what she wants to hear when she asks me this question, then I'll throw out some lingo mm-hmm. That will make her think, oh, he's all good, and I've checked that box off. And, you know, keep in mind, Scripture's telling us, many will come to me that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things for you? And he'll say, away from me, evildoer. I never knew you. Make sure that the person you're dating knows the Lord. So if, and, and, and be prepared to, maybe this is going to take several conversations. Mm-hmm. So if they're kind of evading the question and going, oh, okay, well, that's fine, I'll I'll put that in the back of my head, and I'm going to circle back to that mm-hmm. later. I'm not going to put my foot down and say, "You better tell me straight now," <laughs> you know, because then all of a sudden there's, you yeah. know. It's, but but I would be very careful how I ask those questions, whether you're a young man listening or a young lady listening, that I want to have a definitive, definite response to for my potential lifelong partner that they have, they know what they know, their relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that I get that answer, not just, oh, yeah, I know the Lord. Yeah. Okay, check box, right? <laughs> yeah. Big check marks, boom, lights yeah. are going off, great. I'll never have to ask me that question again and move on. And they may not have any idea mm-hmm. what a relationship with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is. They just know you want them to say yes. Yeah. So don't don't accept the short answer. Make sure you really dig into that. Yeah, that's good. So then piggybacking off of that let's say that i'm i'm asking i'm dating this guy i've been asking those questions and his he is articulating his relationship with jesus maybe though he's not as mature of believers like hasn't been believer as long so our maturity levels are different but not for a lack of his um effort and want to grow in his is that concerning is that something okay we can roll with this and and we just go slow as he you know continues to mature in his faith like how do i i I would say if 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 you're convinced that he is a a believer in jesus christ Mm -hmm. that he is a saved person you know using that term then yeah somebody who has a desire to grow spiritually i'd work with that yeah you know, even if they're they're not very versed in scripture, or maybe they're they're young and and just young in the faith, but if they have the faith and understand they have indwelling in them the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the same amount of Holy Spirit that you have, 
Mm-hmm. There's not a, well, that amount's going to grow, <laughs> yeah. you know, over time. And I'm going to yeah. wait till it gets to a hundred percent. You know, right. no, no, it's a hundred percent already. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's just, I would, I would be very willing to move on with somebody who has that desire. I, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to, I want to understand scripture better. I want to, I want to sit under, you know, biblical preaching and find the right church and those types of things. Even if they're just brand new to the faith and don't know the difference between John and Job yet. Mm. But, hey, man, they are a believer. I'm convinced they had a salvation experience. Roll with it. Okay. Because that, that's, to me, that's that's really, I won't say that's all that matters. I almost said that, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. it, but it, but that's really, at the end of the day, this person who is indwelling the Holy Spirit inside of them, they're going to they're gonna grow. I believe they're going to grow if they have that desire to. Mm. So just run with that desire. Okay. That's good to hear. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> I, I do feel like there's... Especially as a woman, and we've been talking about, you know, we want a spiritual leader. We want somebody we can, you know, submit to without a whole lot of concern of like, okay, if you're, you know, leading my family, I'm not going to be like, oh, God, let me, you know, know, (laughs) sitting on my hands and pursing my lips the whole time we're married. But it's, there's this temptation of, oh, he's got to be as spiritually mature and as this or more so, otherwise I can't date him. So to hear that is is new advice and yeah. good advice, I think, because there is this, not misconception, but... Um, well, I think we, we can sometimes get the, the idea of what spiritual leadership looks like, and it looks like the typical alpha male leader, whatever. And it's not always that. That's not... But we have this idea in our head of what that looks like. And the only way to achieve that is to be with someone who is further along, more mature, all those things. When I don't think that, like what you were saying, mm-hmm. that's not the most important thing. Yeah. I just think you, you give people, you were spiritually immature at one mm-hmm. point. All of us were. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I had to grow spiritually. Scripture talks about that as sanctification mm-hmm. is the biblical word for that. Is you know you're growing closer to Jesus as you learn more about him. So somebody who has a relationship with Jesus is going to grow closer to him over time. And, you know, it's wonderful to help facilitate that, you know, to to bring those desires to bear. I think you can work with that. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's sincere in their love for, for Jesus and that they you believe they had a, a, a conversion experience, then, man, go with it. Yeah, okay. It's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two rapid-fire, like, listener questions that yes. we got when we told them we were doing this. First one, what was your biggest misconception about marriage when you were single? You know, I thought marriage was going to be that, you know, you were going to just have this wonderful, you're going to jump in and live together and, you know, you'll, you'll be able to sleep together <laughs> and it's all great and, you know, everything's going to be on the same page. Um, I think I, that was a misconception to, to learn that, the other person now is, you know, they're going to have different moods, different desires, different things in there. And you're not always going to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. I think that was a big misconception that we're both just excited about being married and we're going to get to sleep together and all these things are going to happen. Well, that may be what the man's thinking, <laughs> right? But that's not necessarily what my wife was thinking. And you have to learn that, okay, men and women are different and God put them together for a reason. So, you know, it, it was, um, there were times when it was harder than I thought, but but I can say those times never lasted. Mm. 
you know, and so uh, over the trajectory of our relationship, it's always gotten better and better and better, thank God. And I think a lot of that is the fact that we do have the same spiritual walk, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're committed to that. Um, but that, I, you know, it is it is just hard to live with somebody. Yeah. I mean, you think of roommates you've had yeah. that have driven you crazy, and they're just your roommate. You're not sharing the rest of your life with them. You're just there yeah. with them a few hours a day, you know, if you're there to sleep or whatever. So imagine that being your husband or your wife. That yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it is hard to live with people. Yeah. So that would be a misconception that okay. I have. Okay. Okay. Wrapping it up, if you could give our female listeners one piece of dating advice, what would it be? Uh, you know, I think you, uh, we talked about it earlier, is just be patient. Stop listening to the world say, <laughs> boy, you got to get married. You know, you got to find the guy when you're in college or you got to ha- find the guy by the time you're 25. You got to find, I don't know what they're saying now. <laughs> but, you know, whatever, whatever this milestone that they put out there that says you have to be married by this date or you have to ha- you know, have the guy by this date. Um, just stop listening to that because if you're going to walk with the Lord in faith and know that his will for you is perfect, he has a perfect will for you, then I am willing to wait on when the Lord's perfect will manifests itself in this man. And I'm not going to settle and I'm not going to try to play God. And I'm not going to try to, hey, God, he has three of the four things. I'll I'll make the fourth thing happen magically somehow. I'm no, <laughs> no. Just be patient and don't live under some timeline that the world has put on you that says, if I don't have this worked out by the time I'm this age, that something's wrong. No, nothing's wrong. Mm. You're just still walking with the Lord. Keep walking. Relax. (laughs) Be patient. Keep moving forward. Be patient. Mm. My favorite two words. I know. (laughs) Okay, so then last question, if you could give our male listeners one piece Mm. of dating advice. You're a male speaking to yeah. your speaking to your people here. What would you tell them? Man, I, you know, I, I try. I told this to my boys uh, over and over again. I, I, I just say, just you, uh, look at what the scripture has to say about being a man, and embrace this idea that you are to be the spiritual leader of your home, and understand that there's a there's kind of a prescription for how young men should live, and. Um, I, I, I'll give you a, something I've told all my boys, and they'll laugh. They're going to hear this, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> so when they were younger, <clears throat> I try to figure out ways to, to teach them things that they'll remember. So when they were younger, I've told them the stories. I've told all three of my boys these stories. You can go talk to my youngest son. He will know this story. Okay. Um, when they were younger, when they get to be a you know kind of early teen, I, I'll sit there and I'll say, hey, when you get thirsty at night um, – where would you go to get a drink of water? And they would say, oh, I guess I would go to the kitchen. I would get a glass, get a drink of water. I'll say, well, here's what we'll do. On the way to the kitchen is the bathroom. So I'll put a cup on the back of the toilet. So if you're thirsty at night, just dip the cup in the toilet and drink it. You won't have to go all the way to the kitchen. And then they look at me and they're like, that's awful. Like, why would I drink out of the toilet? And so I say, okay, so let me get this straight. The water in the toilet is different than the water out of the sink. And they're like, yeah. And I say, okay, well, that's the same thing about having sex with somebody. Mm-hmm. Having sex outside of marriage is drinking from the toilet. 
having sex <laughs> in the covenant of marriage is drinking from the tap water. That's what God wants. God wants you to drink from the tap water. And so I would tell them that story, and they'd be like, God, that is stupid, you know. <laughs> but then as they start dating, I would look at them, and they would get ready to go out on their date, you know, the few times that that actually happened, you know, here in the modern world. <laughs> but I could look at my boys, and I could say, hey, I want you to have fun tonight, and remember, don't drink from the toilet. And and I, and that stuck, yeah. right? And that made That'll an impression on them. And so, you know, it's this idea, don't, don't drink. For, and so I think men have to understand, you have these urges, you have these desires. Man, understand what Scripture expects from you, mm. all right? Don't drink from the toilet. And if you've done that before, then just give that to the Lord, ask forgiveness, move on, and, and just don't do it anymore until you're married. And, and adopt biblical manhood as something that really is important because we need it in our culture. Mm-hmm. We need it in the homes worse than ever. And it just seems to get worse every year, every year. So turn the tide, young men. We're counting on you <laughs> as young believers to say, I'm going to live this biblical life that God prescribes for men, and I'm going to leave my home. That would be my advice to you. That's good. I, I will never it. think about drinking from the toilet I know. the same again. <laughs> you think about drinking from the toilet a lot? No, I'm just saying. Like, when people, like okay. I, I'm just, just, <laughs> I walked right into that one. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm just well, giving you a hard time. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for oh, being thanks here. Oh, thanks for having this me. This was fun. so fun. And very helpful. Very helpful. This I've is learned really a lot. long. So if you've listened to the entire thing, <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. And now y'all know what I deal with at work every single week. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. No, he's great. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and for listening. If you're listening to this on your normal podcasting app, don't Mm -hmm. forget if you want to hear the full version because we cut it down, you can go to our Patreon. And if you subscribe there, it's cheaper than a cup of coffee a month, (laughs) then you can get this full interview as well as a bunch of other exclusive content that we offer to our patrons. So be sure to check that out. But we will be back soon with y'all but until next time i'm Kristen and i'm bethany and this is looking for the middle